Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to the latest Robins on the Wire podcast with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor. We've stepped into the studio for this special edition to reflect on what was an incredible night last night. This has been recorded on Wednesday the 10th of January, so the day after the Manchester City first leg of the Carabao Cup up at the Etihad Stadium. Gregor, where to start? I mean, I was down at Ashton Gate yesterday and sort of assigned with talking to fans down there. So unfortunately, I didn't get to come up to the Etihad, which I was a bit gutted about, to be honest. Uh, it looked like an incredible atmosphere, but the message seemed to be from the fans, keep it tight. And that's exactly what they did, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, maybe you should um, mention sort of the fans first of all before we come on to the match. Mm. And there was just a terrific buzz in Manchester yesterday. It was it was superb and they had obviously the, almost 8,000 fans there. And um, yeah, we, I was staying in a hotel up there obviously and um, spoke to quite a few fans after the match. And uh, yeah, just a terrific evening for Bristol City really, really and a great advert for the club. 7,680 fans. It's a, a record for the Etihad in its 15-year history. It's incredible to think Bristol City have not only broken that record, but made such a wall of noise. I saw someone tweet, they were a Manchester United fan, but I saw someone tweet that they could hear them from three miles away. Not sure if that was true, but coming across on the telly, because I watched it on the telly last night, it sounded fantastic. Yeah, there was a bit of banter as well between the fans because um, uh, it's fair to say... Oh, I think the overall attendance was, was 43,000 something, so... It looked quite empty though in patches. Yeah, there was a good um, 10,000 sort of spare seats, I think, and um, the home crowd weren't the loudest. Um, so, yeah, the Bristol City fans were winning that battle very easily and, um, yeah, there might be a bit of a cheek, um, some cheekiness there, I think, from United fans uh, jumping on that. So let's reflect on the game then. It, it was incredibly tight and Bristol City taking the lead just before half-time with that penalty. Uh, no questions about whether it was a penalty or not. I don't think Manchester City even contested whether it was. Great work by Josh Brownhill. That tenacity we've seen all season and great work from Bobby Reid as well just to get his toe in front and just to take... I don't even know if he was looking for the penalty but just to take the ball away from John Stones. Just great work by the both of them. Yeah, I was a little bit worried when um, Bobby Reid um, stepped up because... Um, yeah, obviously, huge game. and uh, I was so nervous for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was as well. And um, I just wondered whether, uh, where he was going to put it and whether the occasion might get to him. But I've got to say, that was a magnificent penalty. It's a and, yeah. brilliant penalty. I think he said he picked his spot, didn't he? He just stuck to it. And with penalties, that's key, isn't it? Not to chop and change your mind. And he did look calm, but I'll tell you what, I, I'm not even a Bristol City fan, but I felt nervous as he was stepping up to take it. But great reaction from the crowd. And then back in the sports bar at Ashton Gate, they went crazy as well and you were just thinking at that point well hold on to half time did that tick off the box but to concede so early in the second half it was difficult then to hold on wasn't it 
Yeah, the, the only thing for me was when he scored was um, it was a bit of a wasted opportunity for myself because um, I obviously sit in the press box and mm. I always sit near um, Adam Baker of um, yeah, Bristol yeah. City, who you know. And Adam always um, yells in uh, with such delight. When Does Bristol it? Adam's City the media score. officer yeah, for sorry, Bristol I City. Say that, so. Yeah, um, and a lot of people know who he is. And um, yeah, I, when they scored the penalty, I was thinking, how is he going to react? Because he's going to go, uh, he's going to explode. So uh, I was tempted to try and record him uh, subtly. Without and you him, had the but, chance. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, and the the the, um, the sound that erupted from the uh, south stand where all the Bristol City fans were was just superb, and uh, yeah, a really fantastic moment. And at that point, yeah, I thought Bristol City really deserved that goal. They had several chances before. And, oh, I was uh, just yeah, the chances before. You're just thinking if maybe they'd taken them a second earlier. Joe Bryan's shot was decent, obviously, but I just felt if he'd hit that a second before. Corey Smith, the one that came when he hit it across the face of goal, I was thinking, just leather it. Just put your laces through it. What's the worst that can happen? And it's just a little bit of frustration that we know what those players are capable of. And was it just a case of overthinking it a bit? Yeah, I, I think when you play the, the very best teams, it's it just comes down to those fractions. The game is so much quicker, that little bit faster. The players are faster and more athletic. They think that little bit quicker, so you don't have as much time. Um, but yeah, the guys were, were brilliant. I, th- I thought some of the players took a little bit of time just to get up to speed last night, but in the end, they, they did that. And um, yeah, certainly for periods of the game, as we saw, Bristol City were really in that match and even on top for, for, for brief periods as well. Yeah, I wrote my column earlier today. Um, which will be on the Post website tomorrow. And I said the problem was with the high press, as good a technique it was to employ, and it led to the first goal. It also caught them out for the equaliser. I mean, Marlon Pack was putting a shift in, uh, supporting the strikers, pressing, but there's no way he was going to catch Kevin De Bruyne, who just, he didn't look like he was, like, racing, but surged down there and laid back goal. And it, it was that quick, what, probably about eight seconds between them pressing and Claudio Bravo passing it to Kevin De Bruyne and getting it up the other end. That's how lethal they are. Yeah, yeah, they they certainly had some chances, you have to say that, and um, they, it looked to me like they were always going to get one goal, and yeah. my hope was that Bristol City could get that vital second one, and um, unfortunately they couldn't, but um, as we've sort of discussed anyway, they're, they're well in this tie, and um, yeah, I think they're going to take so much belief. I, I know you think that the that um, goal right at the end mm. would be um, quite a big psychological blow, but yeah. I kind of look, look on it a little bit differently, and um, I think the players will realise they can really compete against these um, these players. They can they can match the likes of De Bruyne, mm. Gundogan, um, Sane, Sterling, etc. So I think that it's all to play for in that second leg, we really do. I just felt, when it was one all and we, we went into injury time, we ticked over, I just thought, right, hold on for one all, and psychologically this is massive. But it's not just because it's a blow to lose 2-1 at that point, like the Wolves game. It was more the fact that I didn't want Bristol City to have on paper four defeats in a row. Now, when you look at those four defeats, you know, the Wolves game, extremely close. That that should have been one all. They deserved a point from that. We write the Villa game off. It's, it's just one, of, one in a season, in my opinion, and hopefully only one in a season. The FA Cup, again, you write it off because it's a competition Bristol City don't want at the moment, don't want to be involved with. And the team that Johnson put out, with all due respect, reflected that. And then last night, you know, and it, I know it's four defeats in a row, but it doesn't it doesn't always feel like four defeats in a row, but the players would have gone into that dressing room last night. Lee Johnson said in his post-match they're a bit flat. It is, it is a mental blow to concede that late on, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. And um, actually, Dean Holden was talking about this the other day after the Watford game because he was asked by some of the journalists in the press conference about um, yeah the, the run of defeats. It was now three in a row. Now it's four, obviously. And he said um, that the club wasn't looking at it um, in that way at all. They were just taking every game in isolation and looking at it like that. And they don't think there's any going to be any lasting effect. And yeah, I, I think to an extent that's true. But um, the problem is, it's, it's, it's so the game is about such fine margins, and mm. momentum plays a, a real, a, a really big thing in football. I just think, um, yeah, Bristol City really need to get back to winning ways, and um, they might. I could see them drawing um, at Norwich. With Norwich, I, yeah. yeah I, I said in my column for me. Saturday is a must-win game. Can we just come back to it in a second? Because I just want to finish off with a couple of points from the Manchester City game, but we'll come on to Norwich. Frank Fielding, should he have come for that ball? And I feel so bad being critical of him because he made so many saves to keep Bristol City in it. And for me, man of the match last night, Frank Fielding. I know Aidan Flint was given it, but for me it was Frank Fielding. But should he have come for that ball? Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and it's a split-second decision. Yeah, I, I, I don't think um, I, I personally wouldn't put any attribute any blame there. I think I, I'd let him, I'd let him off there. And I, I think <clears throat> at the end of the game, it's really difficult to judge those kind of crosses. Um, I mean, if I was going to be ultra critical, I, w- I would say maybe Flint he need, need lost to step his man. Up. Yeah, ah. just, or just need to step up a little bit more to hold the line and yeah. kind of play the Guerrero on just slightly. But that again, that has been ultra harsh. It and, is being ultra harsh. <laughs> I, I feel bad even bringing it up, yeah. but you know that's our job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, true. Um, I would forgive both of them for that, and I would say let's look at the bigger picture. That on another night, okay, maybe they step up and they make that interception, but then one of the other chances, Man City probably would have taken. Yeah. You know, so I, I just think Man City are that good a team. You, you really can't deny them or give them as many chances as they had last night and not expect them to get a couple of goals. So yeah, maybe looking at the bigger picture, I, I just think those kind of split decisions um, are the things that the players at home. Would would take when you go away from home you don't normally get quite as good a results obviously players don't play quite as well they yeah. make quite the same decisions it's, it's such fine 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 margins oh and, yeah uh, absolutely yeah I, I think at home they'll play that little bit better and, and that wouldn't happen there Liam Walsh uh, word about him making his debut talk about stepping into a cauldron there's a baptism baptism of fire isn't it he did well I thought when he came on could have scored Yes, he had, he had a chance. I, I was impressed by him, yeah. I, I think last night is the sort of uh, match that's going to suit him because he's a, uh, a skillful player, technical midfielder. I know he has said before that he likes to tackle as well. He said that on the official site and stuff. And I've seen some clips of him and, and some... Uh, and yeah, he, he can get stuck in, he can get his foot in there. But I just think with his quality on the ball, um, and it's a bit like... Um, uh, Josh Brownhill and Jamie Patterson. I think it, it could it could even suit him playing the higher level opponents because, in a way, um, what happens in these big matches is it's kind of it kind of becomes um, we'll have a go, you have a go, and mm. you almost get that time and space that you don't get against other te- um, other teams who kind of like suffocate you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of think that that game last night would have suited him a little bit, which is why Lee would have thrown him in there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I really like the look of him. I thought he looked really really smart on the ball. His passing range was superb, and I loved some of the flick little passes he um, he, 
um, added. Yeah. And, and Corey Smith and Marlon Pack were getting tired at that point. It was a wise idea to bring on. We know that Lee Johnson loves to make attacking substitutions, but in that situation, completely the right call to sort of nullify that threat of what happened with the first goal happening again, then breaking down the pitch like they did. And they did nullify that. Unfortunately, it was just a wonderful cross and a wonderful header by Aguero. But these these things happen. Yeah, I, but just one one point there. Just yeah, respect to Lee Johnson because I thought he called that really. Um, totally agree. Yeah, really well. And again, he's brave, isn't he, with that decision to bring on. Um, a 20-year-old for his first appearance in a, in a game of that magnitude. Mm. Um, I, I think that says everything about Lee. And yeah, in the press conference afterwards, I did ask him about um, Liam Walsh and what he made of his his first appearance for City. And yeah, he was very complimentary. And um, yeah, he said it was all about blocking up the middle, really, and trying to nullify the right. and, and it worked. Completely right decision. <laughs> Not that we really would know what we're doing if we're managing a football team, but see of approval on that one, Lee. Um, Horton Magnussen... At left back against, you know, Raheem Sterling and Sane, you know, some of the best wingers in the world. It's a big ask, isn't it? For me, if there was a weak link, and there wasn't a weak link, but if there was a weaker point in the team, it would have had to have been him and Bailey Wright. Because Bailey Wright isn't a full-back, and I thought he did brilliantly, by the way. And Horda Magnussen, I think, didn't struggle at times, but perhaps looked a little bit uh, slower, perhaps, than other members of the team. Is Pep Guardiola going to target those areas in the second leg? Yep, he absolutely will. He's that ruthless kind of coach that um, if he can spot a weakness, then um, yeah, he'll he'll try and take advantage of it. And yeah, I agree with you. I thought most of their chances, from if I think back now, seem to come down the sort of left and right channels, and um, particularly Sane for me. Um, he had seven. Oh, he's seven so shots he's so right. frustrating. <laughs> he's on the ball. He's he's dead stopped, and you're thinking, right, Benny Wright stood him up here. Great job. Literally, split second later, he's taken a step and he's whipped in across. Oh my. It, it's almost impossible to defend. Yeah, he's he's got that terrific turn of pace, great technique, and yeah, I wondered whether they should let him come in a bit more onto his right. But then we have seen goals um, this season from him, um, so yeah, maybe it was best to keep him out on his left. And thankfully, yeah, he dragged quite a few of those wide. Um, maybe second leg, they, they might maybe might have to look to find a bit more protection for um, Bailey. Somewhere. Double up on them. I yeah. mean, maybe Joe Bryan, he did drop further back, didn't he, in the end, but to protect Horder before Horder Magnuson got taken off. But it's difficult. It's going to be a very fine balance in, in the second leg. And before we talk about that, I've just got some Twitter questions here. Uh, here's one from Tom Langridge on Twitter. He said, love the podcast. Thanks, Tom. We love a compliment. Uh, given our league position, do you think Johnson is looking for players for the future, for example, Brownhill and O'Dowder, or to spend a bit extra on players that are proven and ready for Premier League football and push for the automatic spots, or maybe a combination of both. For me, it's the latter, but what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a combination of both. Um, uh, yeah, I've heard a few rumours about sort of the likes of maybe Ryan Kent being linked with... Um, I've seen him play a few times, he's very good. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he'd be a terrific acquisition um, uh, for another wide option, and... He's a bit like um, uh, Liam Walsh in a way, sort of like these young English English players who need to get out there play um, re- on a regular basis. And as we've seen this last summer, um, the English young players are some of the best in the world right now. So it's not a bad idea to invest in English um, talent. Uh, Is Ryan Kent at Liverpool at the moment? So would that be a loan move? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, the the, the rumours are, aren't they, that there's a lot of competition for him at the moment. Um, some other teams mentioned um, have been Sheffield United and Leeds, and I'm not entirely sure who else is in in for him. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm sure if he did go anywhere, it would only be on a loan at the moment. Um, but yeah, returning to the question, I think yeah, if they can, if the club can find the right 
sort of experienced player where they they feel that that player has a, has something genuine to add to the squad. And what's important is they're not going to block the route to the first team of um, a young prospect. Um, and for example, one of one name that we've been discussing in the office today um, has been uh, Marley Watkins. Oh uh, uh, yeah, he was linked heavily with the Robins in the summer. And in fact, I think Lee confirmed to me earlier this year that. Basically, Bristol City had been in for him. He was on a free transfer last summer. He obviously signed for Norwich, but um, he hasn't been playing for Norwich. Um, so it might be the slightest chance that um, the Canaries might release him. But given that he's only been there six months, I would, uh, yeah, I would, I would be surprised if that was the case. Mm. But that's the kind of maybe um, sort of caliber of player that they might look that if he was available, they might look to bring him in um, just because he might be might be happy to work his way into the team. But then you'd have to balance that up, I guess, of, about competing for a spot with Calum O'Downa. And, yeah, when Calum O'Downa comes back from injury, you know, and then you've got Patterson and Brownhill, and then where do you put them? And But it's a good problem to have, to have too many rather than too few, which is actually the case at the moment a lot of the time for Lee Johnson and his staff. Tiger Wolf says, if City don't go up, which players do you expect to be in the Premier League? I think he means which players do you think will be taken. I don't want to talk about that at the moment because it's still an option, isn't it, to, to go up very much. So, semi-final of against Manchester City in a couple of weeks but in response to Tiger Wolf on Twitter that's his Twitter name by the way I'd be surprised if that was his real name um, this has put the players in the shop window again in the January transfer window Joe Bryan Aidan Flint and Bobby Reed. we all mentioned them on the previous podcast we don't think they're going anywhere but again shop window for Premier League clubs isn't it yeah, I'd I just add into that and um, in the um, pre-press conference for the uh, Manchester City game, which you were at, I was um, at, yeah. and Lee was asked, wasn't he, um, um, whether he was um, going to be scared about his players basically attracting more interest um, from playing on a stage like this. And I have to say, the way they played last night is not going to help him in that respect, <laughs> because they were magnificent. But that is what you want, and yeah. I'm going to keep saying this. Um, you want the players to play well, they're going to develop and I really don't think you should fear losing any of those players because one, um, they're on most of them are on non-contracts now. I think Bobby Reed's the only one to worry about their um, eighteen months he's got left. Yeah, isn't he? but even that's not like um, this summer. Obviously, they're not in an Arsenal. It's not. Alexis it's Sanchez. not Alexis yeah, Sanchez. Exactly. Yeah. So they haven't got to worry about it too much there. But um, yeah, I think most of the players will realise as well that the good times are coming at Bristol City and they're playing and it's so important for these guys to be playing um, and yeah we'll revisit it maybe in the summer um, but first of all let's let's be hopeful and say Bristol City the way they're playing they could go up this season if they could do go, go automatically. up yeah yeah absolutely they, I, I think that that's second spot uh, is really up for grabs and they are going to be in the mix definitely there's so. about eight teams in the mix for that second spot it is it's, it's going to be, be incredibly yeah. tight a real bun fight but, uh, uh, yeah. before we just revert back to ch- the championship action and Norwich this weekend let's just talk about like, against Manchester City Pep Guardiola and his staff will come to Ashton Gate knowing exactly what to expect before of course they would have been prepared before last night but now they know what Bristol City are about how they're going to play and Pep Guardiola was very complimentary to Lee Johnson after, said that Bristol City had played a lot better than a lot of Premier League teams that gone to the Etihad this season. So it is a disadvantage, isn't it, Pep, knowing how they play? How is Lee Johnson going to set up? Because it's a 2-1 deficit, so they have to score to take it to extra time. And then what happens with away goals? It's very complicated, isn't it? Yeah, um, away goals only come into play, don't they? If uh, at the time. end of yeah, at the end of extra time. So just to be clear on that, then uh, make sure I've got this right because I find it confusing. Say we are uh, two all at the end of extra time. So Bristol City scored 
an away goal and Manchester City have not scored an away goal, Bristol City go through on away goals, right? Yeah, at the end of extra time. What if Manchester City score? And away goal. Um, then they go through. <laughs> well, if it was say 2-1, then yeah. obviously it would go to penalties. Um, yeah. Uh, if if it was any other score, then yeah, Manchester City would go through. I don't like this rule. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What is the point in away goals? It's not like we're travelling across Europe. How are there away goals in the Carabao Cup? <laughs> well, actually, no. I'll rephrase that. If it's good... And if it works out for Bristol City, then I'll praise it. But <laughs> I, I think it could come to their um, advantage. Can... Yeah, I mean, just 1-0 is all they need, basically. Yeah, but they'd have to go through extra time. <laughs> 120 minutes, 1-0 yeah. against the best side in Europe, arguably. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not a big ask, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you think in terms of the way Lee Johnson's going to set up? Do you think it'll be very similar? Similar to the Man United game, except I'd add in two words there, Famara Dijou. Who, is he um, going to be back? Um, yeah, I, I think he um, he liked Tim Shire's um, uh, post on Twitter last night, didn't he, when Tim was yeah. saying about what he was back. So he, Ex-Bristol know, City Stadium announced yeah, Tim Shire's. He thinks, he thinks that he's going to be back. Um, Conspiracy yeah. theories. He, he was, I know Lee said the other day, he was out in training last Friday, but not full contact training. So he's very close. Um, I, I love it, though, that he likes something on Twitter and now we've got like a conspiracy theory. Yeah, he's going to be back for that game. <laughs> uh, well, we'll try and get more factual update on that before the game then. But if Famarajiju is back and fit, I mean, it's whether he's up to speed or not, isn't it? That's the big thing. Yeah, I probably should clarify. I think he'd probably only get 10 minutes or something, but it could it could be a big 10 minutes from him. Yeah, it could. And he's, he's a, he, he could cause now. a few problems, couldn't he? Because he's a physical player as well compared to, you know, little Bobby Reid and Jamie Patterson up front. Yeah, I, I think he's got like the... the the sort of all-round package that he could cause problems to the likes of um, a more technical and skillful side like Manchester City in that he's, he's powerful but he, he's, he's a good player as well and I think sometimes he's looked a, a bit more limited against more um, the stronger kind of more physical defenders of the championship um, and look better against some of the more technical and skillful Interesting, ones. OK, even though he's a big guy. That's really interesting. Uh, so there we are. We will have to see what happens on the 23rd of January. Only 13 days to go. Our attention back to Championship Matters. Norwich City at home this weekend. It's a long trip for the Canaries to come across. I feel, like I said in my column, that it's a must-win game purely because they've lost four on the bounce. We know that saying they've lost four on the bounce does not tell the whole story, obviously. But, Gregor, what do you reckon? I think it's going to be a difficult game for um, Bristol City. I was quite impressed by Norwich over at um, Carroll Road earlier this season. And, yeah, they they really restricted the Robins to um, just a few chances in that match. Um, Tom Tribal was excellent as a defensive midfielder for them, shielding the uh, back four. Um, so, yeah, it was nil-nil. Um, and, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. They really need to get back to winning ways and... It, Norwich are a bit of a mixed bag. They've only had, I think, three wins in the last six championship games, which isn't too bad. But, but they uh, drew with Chelsea. Yeah, yeah exactly. What? <laughs> um, and, yeah, the, away from home, they haven't been um, too too great recently. So I think there'll be a chance there for Bristol City. And, yeah, probably the question is, how much has um, Tuesday taken out of? Oh, mentally and physically. You know, they'll be in that. Is it Kyra therapy chamber? They're probably all in there now as we speak getting very cold and then after that it's Derby away again on the telly under the lights they like playing on the telly so who knows I mean that is absolutely huge in terms of automatic spots I mean everything might have changed after the weekend but right now Derby are in that second spot two points clear 
Yeah, and thankfully um, Bristol City will, are going to have that full week to prepare for it. Um, oh, they, need, they just need it. Mm. Massively need it. I mean, you think the players yesterday that had had uh, just over a week off, hadn't they, since New Year's Day, the majority had. I know that Aidan Flint and a couple of others played in the FA Cup match, but the majority had had that week off, which was just uh, key. And you could see they were actually looking quite fresh to start with. I mean, they looked done in by the end. But we've got, what, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three clear days between the games. It's nothing. Yeah, and um, the coaching staff are going to love having that time to build up for the um, Pride Park match. So, yeah, that could be crucial up at the top end. Um, yeah, and but we've, we've seen how City have gone up to Manchester this week and, and, and played really well against the top team, and they can do that again at Derby, for, um, yeah, without a doubt. It's just, it feels like we're getting to the stage of the season. There's so many what-ifs. There's so much potential for it all to go right, but there's so much potential for it to go the other way. In my little opinion, I sort of think that get a couple of more transfers in to sort of bolster a very depleted squad that Lee Johnson is working with. Get a little bit more quality in, in the wide areas, perhaps maybe the fullback positions need some bolstering, I would say, with Bailey Wright and Magnussen. You know, who's, who's their deputy? Zach Viner? There isn't one, really. Zach Viner can play right back, but he's very young. Lloyd Kelly as well, but... Yeah, don't forget Eros. Yeah, Eros Pisano, when's he due back? Uh, uh, Lee gave a sort of update on um, injuries recently and he, he wasn't mentioned, which is not good. Not good. good. But, um, it's I, just the injuries. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. fantastic squad when they're all fully fit. As Lee Johnson said, you probably only get one more player in. Mm-hmm. And I think we probably both agree, when a fully fit squad is very capable, but these injuries are, are a problem. Fam and Milan are due back um, fairly soon. Milan maybe in a couple of weeks. And Such good options to have up front, two big yeah. guys to have up front. And I was asking Lee about them the other day and he said he's going to introduce them slowly, so it might be 10 minutes here, 15 minutes and Yeah, he said that in his presser, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, after that it's going to be, I think Gary O'Neill is next and you back oh, sorry Callum O'Dowd is due back then probably end of the month that's and then, great and then um, two to four weeks um, Lee said for um, Gar- um, Gary O'Neill um, Jens Hegler is, is looking at another couple of months out unfortunately um, mm. and yeah Eros it would be great to have him back I think he was so um, good at the start yeah. of the season wasn't he well there we are I feel I feel on edge ahead of the next couple of weeks but we'll be back uh, in, in probably about 10 days time with your next podcast ahead of the Manchester City game and also we're doing a special event aren't we Gregor more details on this to be posted on the Bristol Post website but a question and answer session where we'll have some ex-Bristol City players and the like uh, which I'll be hosting and, and you'll be there in the crowd won't you? Are you going to be heckling? Uh, in, in some capacity, I'm either going to be in the crowd or serving drinks behind the bar or, <laughs> or on the door. One, one, one hey, if there's free drinks for me, that's fine, as long as you don't heckle me. But um, more details on what's going to be happening. It'll be in a location somewhere in Bristol, but a special Bristol Post, Bristol City question and answer uh, coming in a week or so. The date to be confirmed and the venue to be confirmed. So keep an eye on my Twitter, at Michelle Owen 7 And the man who has the best Twitter handle, Gregor, what's yours again? At GMACG. See, I wish I had a great name like yours. Uh, keep an eye on those and we'll confirm the date and we'd love to see you there. Uh, thanks for listening and fingers crossed for the next few games on what is a vital time for Bristol City. Robins on the Wire.